Girls Like Us, and we're here with Church Girls. So did you each want to introduce yourselves and tell us what role you play in the band? Yeah, I'm Marielle. I sing and play guitar. I'm Julian, and I play the drums. I'm Mitchell, and I play guitar. I'm Vince, and I play bass. Okay, right on, right on. Nice to meet you. I'm Kanan. This is Raven. Hey. hey. <laughs> um, so would you like to uh, talk about, like, the the evolution of the band a little bit? Yeah. Um, I started it about seven years ago or so. It was kind of just like a solo thing. I was playing some open mics and stuff and then started recording. And before I knew it, it kind of evolved into a more serious thing and started booking tours and whatnot. And uh, we've had a couple different band members over the past, but I'd say this, this band has been it's been about three years or so. Mitchell joined about two years ago. Um, so yeah, especially once we started getting more serious about touring, kind of finding members that were like down to tour all the time. And uh, yeah, took, took a little bit to kind of get that going, but that's where we're at now. And I heard that like, uh, uh, Mary, like you were in, you were in like the fashion industry and then you, like wanted to be creative in a different way. Was that like accurate, I suppose? Yeah, I basically did like digital marketing type stuff for this uh, clothing brand and uh, it was cool and all, but I had always been in mu into music like growing up and uh, played guitar and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, just started doing that as like a little side thing. And then I realized like, that's what I wanted to do. So we're trying. <laughs> kind of a tough biz, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think people like, I don't know, like especially growing up, I think people like romanticize it a lot, like touring and, <laughs> and being in a band, and then they're like, oh, there's there's work involved. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. Well, my friend uh, Doug has joined us for a couple of days on tour, and I was like, "Isn't touring so cool?" For <laughs> like at this motel, got a cool view, and he's like, "Yeah, it's not totally what I expected, but it's fine." <laughs> it's not what I saw on TV. Yeah, not quite. Not, not what I signed up for. Um, so, do you how like how much longer of this tour is there? Like a couple more days, right? Yeah. yeah, our last show is on Thursday, so we're at the tail end here. Oh, cool. Right on. Do you have any, like, interesting tour stories so far from this particular run? Oh, let's see. Well, we did, we always bring this up, but our, our uh, we stopped in this place, Laredo, on our last tour, and Laredo, Texas, and didn't really know what to expect. And it was like our favorite show on tour. So we came back again this year and it was like, you know, over a hundred people at the show and they were so psyched. So like this venue, our show last year was the last show that they did. And then the first show they did since COVID was our show. And it was just like this magical, awesome thing. Uh, so that was a really good moment. I don't know. Tahoe. We had a day off in Lake Tahoe. It was <laughs> yeah. awesome. That was, that was really <laughs> that cool. That was nice. Um, 
Yeah, I would say in general, though, the shows have been really good. It seems like people are just like happy to be seeing music again. And they've been really supportive, like buying a lot of merch. And, uh, you know, I figured we'd probably be running into some problems with COVID, which we have a little bit. Um, but in general, it's, it's going pretty yeah. smoothly. Yeah. yeah. We love to yeah. hear that. <laughs> we did go to a Knott's Berry Farm in LA, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We got some footage for a music video, so uh, that was fun. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How how has it been? You know, being back out on tour after like a what, year and a half of no shows. Yeah. 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 It feels good. It feels just good to play shows every day and meet new people. Like on the road, you know, it's just I've I missed it. I think we all <laughs> missed it. So. Yeah. And. I thought it would feel weird and maybe it did for the first few shows, but then you just kind of snap back into that rhythm and it feels like nothing changed, you know, which is yeah, cool. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's definitely a different energy like those and when you're playing in front of someone versus playing through a screen or, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah. We didn't really like the live stream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't quite the same. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Different, different energy. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was funny when like I would watch bands on live streams and they were like, let, let, me, let me hear you clap. I can like hear you clap through my screen. <laughs> yeah. That was like the clapping emojis. <laughs> and you finish a song and it's quiet and you're like, okay. so anyways. Yeah. We, had a, we had a friend do a live stream and like after the first song, she was like, I feel really uncomfortable like looking directly into the camera. I'm just gonna look above the camera. So if you see me looking up, like I'm still here. I just, I can't look directly through the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that wasn't our favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we've heard from a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, no more live streams now, please. <laughs> oh, never again. We can't do it anymore. <laughs> um, so did you want to talk about like the like the origin of the name a little bit um, of your band? Church Girls? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I just kind of did it as like, a f not funny, but I just found like when I was uh, when I was doing open mics and stuff, I was trying out some different names. And when I did Church Girls, people were like, oh, I like that band name. And uh, yeah, but we get that question a lot. People are always like, there's only one girl in the band and you're not all churches either. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess I, I was a church girl growing up, I guess technically I was a, like an acolyte and I did all that. So, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm a better answer for this question. <laughs> Sometimes the, yeah, sometimes those names just stick and you're like, I just picked it off like on a whim. Yeah, that's kind of how it went. I don't know. Did you have like something else, like when you were doing open mics, like was there like another, like a backup name or? Couple, I'm trying to remember what they were now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This one just kind of stuck for whatever reason. It's pretty cool. Right on. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's 
always, yeah, it's always, you want, yeah, you want something that's going to stand out because, you know, easier for people to Google. <laughs> Easy to spell and, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All around, yeah. Do you, um, does that like play like the, the church girl or like religious background, does that like ever play into your music? Not really. Um, no, I don't think we really like tackle that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, like one thing that I have kind of said, maybe I'll regret saying this out loud. I don't know. You know, church is kind of like a gathering place, community or whatever. And I've always found like going to live shows, especially when I was like younger, when I would go to these, there's this place in Philly called the Unitarian Church that would throw these all ages shows. And I got to see Against Me there and a couple other bands that just kind of blew my mind at that age. And I was like, you know, in a way that felt like this communal uh, thing that was like transcendent in a way, you know, for me at that age. So that's one connection I've made. When, when did you see Against Me? It was 2003. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, that kind of like changed my life when I was 15 or <laughs> No, I totally get it. Yeah, Against Me is my favorite band, so I like. No way. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was like, you know, a game changer for me growing up. And I must have seen them five or six times in my like in high school or something. And uh, yeah, pretty major for me. Yeah, I just like certain bands just have so much like power up on stage and you're just like where did where did this come from like how can you just yeah. like take over like that yeah it's 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 pretty amazing yeah it's pretty like out of body experience yeah and i think like they had such a strong like their fans were such serious fans like you know just go to these shows and everyone there was yeah singing all the words and i was just like oh my god these are my people you know so <laughs> Like, I want that one day. <laughs> uh, someday. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, so like during, during the pandemic, I feel like, like the, the kind of like, cause I know that you've talked about, um, like letting out aggression, like at live shows and, and certain feelings that you have, but like during the pandemic, we, you know, we didn't have live shows. So did you, what did you all do with this this feeling of like I want to play a show I want to like go to a show like where did you put this like misplaced aggression in a way good question I mean I guess like one thing is that we wrote and recorded an album so that was good for us to kind of like at least have that to work towards or channel some energy but yeah. I don't know we just I did watch a lot of live performances you know to be like oh wow oh yeah that used to be that i miss that and like sometimes being like very emotional watching this live you know be like oh when that's gonna happen again you know yeah yeah but uh yeah i think i i mean i use i watch a lot of music video and live performances all the time but felt really good and weird at the same time to watch them but uh yes I think that's definitely helped in a way. Yeah. And this isn't really music related, but I uh, 
I spent a lot of time trying to get back into skating during the pandemic because I was just kind of go getting some cabin fever inside and uh, it, maybe it caused more aggression than it let out, but it was <laughs> it was still fun and you know it, it it was a release of some kind, so that was good. So, what was like each of your personal journeys like with with music growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think I already talked about it a little bit. I grew up playing trumpet and I was pretty into, like I did all like jazz band and marching band and all that stuff. Um, and then like really got into going to punk shows and stuff in high school. Yeah. Oh, uh, I grew up in France, so I'm French by the way. And uh, music is really, I mean, not different, but <clears throat> We don't have all those music, musical schools and uh, and all those things. So I was really into music when I was a kid. I don't know why, but always being into music. You can see tapes of me when I'm six, listening to my Walkman with my blanket and being like sucking my thumb and being like, <laughs> I, music always being something I could just escape the world with. You know, I'd be like, oh. I'm going to summer camp. I hated summer camp as a kid until I really enjoyed them, but we'll put my music and stay on the bus and be like, yeah, this is my comfort zone, I'm okay. So, and then I just learned drums by myself. Actually, I never went to any schools to learn drums. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I love music, I live music, and I'm like, a day without music, I will be, uh, I will die. I just don't understand people who don't listen to music. I'm like, how do you do that work, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, um, I started playing the guitar when I was like 13. And I think up until that point, I was really into like basketball. I think I think I was into basketball just because I saw Space Jam. And I was like, <laughs> trying to find the thing that I Good at and I was like basketball was not it like I tried for a while and I was like I'm not that good at that and so um when I tried guitar something just kind of clicked and I was like oh yeah like you know I'm kind of skinny I'm not like super athletic so the guitar was just something that I could just naturally be good at and um and you know obviously taking lessons and all that helped but um yeah it just was like okay this is like the thing that I should do and um, I grew up playing a lot of like metal, like I listened to nothing but Metallica for like most of my high school years. So um, it's, that's definitely been a progression of like taking that and then being, getting into different types of music and learning how to play that as well. Um, so yeah, I kind of did a huge switch from like metal, hardcore over to like pop punk, indie, that kind of stuff. And, uh, that's been a lot of fun to, to write stuff like that for for this band and just in general. It's been really fun to play. Yeah, and I guess for me, I don't know. I just kind of always remember music being on or around the house and uh, on the way to school, listening to whatever my mom wanted to listen to, and like my dad would pick me up from school, listening to what he wanted to listen to, and just kind of always hearing music and just thinking it was the coolest thing. Um, and then sort of like Mitchell, uh, I just wasn't athletic by <laughs> in any shape or form. 
and I was tall when I was for a young boy. So like I was in basketball and they made me play volleyball. They made me do all this stuff. And I just was never good at it. Uh, then I joined my high school marching band and it was the one thing I felt like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then at some point I started playing bass and I'm not really sure if it was like bass was necessarily what I wanted to do specifically, but just any instrument, if I could play it, I wanted to try it, you know, and bass is just what happened to stick. Right on. It's so interesting hearing like how people got to this point, like where they, where they discovered music or like how this kind of like dropped into their lap when they were a child or like parental influence. Like they listened to whatever, like their parents were listening to at the time and that kind of like shaped their music preferences, but also were we all put into sports that like we didn't really <laughs> want to play as children? <laughs> because that just like the '90s mentality. <laughs> I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to be so good at basketball, and I just wasn't. <laughs> I have to kind of dribble like that. <laughs> I hated basketball. Like, I saw Space Jam 15 times. Why am I yeah, not doing that? Everyone wanted to be good in basketball. Repeat, like, all right, when, when am I going to get more magical power? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. So who would you all say are like, not only your, like your musical inspirations, but like non-musical inspirations, like in life? Good question. Oh, man. Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I've always been a big David Bowie fan. Um, I think both in like musical and non-musical ways, just because he's cool and always evolving. And uh, he seems like a nice guy, too, as far as we can tell. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if anyone else jumps out. I mean, musically, I can think of a lot of influences, so it's kind of hard to narrow it down to a few, but I think in terms of songwriting, uh, Scott from Frightened Rabbit was a really big influence just in terms of um, having songs be really emotional, but kind of intelligent and poetic too. And um, it's, it's kind of easy in the indie folk genre to start getting into like cliche themes and stuff like that. And he always seemed to write in a way that had a significant meaning and was never boring. It was always interesting and always felt fresh and um, had great hooks and, and stuff too. So yeah, I think Frightened Rabbit is a big influence for me just in terms of creating and, and writing songs. Yeah, for me, musically, I don't really like listen to a lot of people that I would say necessarily influence how I play or that I've ever tried to emulate. You know, like growing up, I listened to a lot of Rage Against the Machine, and like early on when I was playing bass, I would just play through Rage Against the Machine albums. So like Tim Comerford their bass player is probably the most influential on me musically. But there are also like musical artists that I listen to that 
I would say influenced me outside of music. So uh, Nipsey Hussle, I, I don't know if you know Nipsey Hussle being from LA or being you know, in Southern California, but he was a really big influence on me growing up. Just the kind of energy of pushing forward and working hard and making things for yourself and um, just trying to give back to your community and, and that whole mindset. Uh, he has this kind of slogan of the marathon continues where getting to the point you want is not, it's not like it happens overnight. Every day you're putting in the work to get there. And once you're there, you're still going. So it's like this whole marathon and it keeps going. So that's been a really big influence on me, especially like being in the band for the last three years. I think every going back to romanticizing music, there's like this idea of, oh, well, one day we're just going to be big and famous, you know, but I think focusing on the growth that we have every day, things, seems, things seem to get bigger and bigger. And that's been really helpful to keep that in mind. I don't know what to say. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. As a teenager, I grew up being really, I don't know if I was influenced, but uh, by, by I really loved Trent Reznor. As a producer, lyricist, I always love how he put his guts in his music, you know? And I think that's, yeah, I think that's the way I want to play music, just giving, putting my heart, you know, because that's how I see music, like you writing stuff, which are very, I mean, they're not all the time, time personal but when it's personal you have to pull your hearts you know for people to relate and i think Trent Reznor was a huge influence for that because he always put that even though he was drug addict guy and like super high playing those shows but every performances of the 90s are so intense and i saw i saw nine inch nails in 99 and that was such a great show i was like oh my god what happened so yeah i think Trent Reznor at that time definitely influenced me. And then all those indie math rock band I could li I listened to because so in France, math rock, all that genre is not popular as here in the States. So when I find bands doing that kind of music and people listening to that music, I was like, oh my God, we're friends because there's not a lot of people listening to that in France. So yeah, every bands they were playing like the drummer were amazing. That will definitely influence me on my drumming play. But uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'll tag one more thing on, which is like a more recent influence is uh, the band Pup. I saw them in 2014. It was kind of like right after I'd started the band and uh, saw them at this little place in Philly called Barbary. And like, wasn't that big of a show, you know, but they just went for it and Stefan the singer was like hanging upside down from the rafters and it kind of gave me that feeling of like going to those Unitarian church shows in high school and like I just felt like I hadn't seen a band do that in a while or maybe I was just going to the wrong shows or something um but like the whole crowd was into it they were they were giving it their all and I was like man like it was just refreshing to see that and I was like that's you know I would like to do that from the rafters <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not respect for them, but like, go for it. And they, they toured so much, and I feel like they kind of grew in this word of mouth type of way, and just by being like a great live band. And uh, I don't know, that was it. That was inspirational to me, definitely. Um, yeah, Pup's great. 
they like exploded in the last like couple of years. Yeah. I'm like, damn. <laughs> but yeah, next tour we're gonna see Marielle with like a, a harness. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> we're gonna have like a whole safety team there and make sure. <laughs> hey, you know, experimentation, right? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of um who else does stuff like that? Like Stevie from Clowns, like he's always like doing some crazy things. <laughs> Jumping and like I don't even know like going to going to those yeah going to a clown show too is like like what is happening <laughs> but it's like a great way like what is happening I've never experienced this before in my life <laughs> kind of thing so yeah I think it's kind of like treating the audience with respect in, in a way that it's like okay we're really gonna like perform for you you know and make this experience and I, I think that's cool yeah definitely you came out here you like set aside whatever you had to do and you like set this date to come see us and like we're gonna we're gonna give it our all yeah because yeah that's exactly how it should be i think mm -hmm. yeah i when i was in high school and college i went to a lot of shows of uh this band called the chariot and um their live shows were insane and they're not a band anymore but they you know, you'd spend like 12 bucks and go see this band play and they're like throwing their guitars around and like, you know, jumping in the audience and half the people are on the stage, half of them are in the audience. And it's, you know, it was just such a crazy way to, to feel like, oh yeah, I got my money's worth, you know, like I had a great time. And I feel like this band, like they give so much for their live shows to the point where they're like breaking their gear and probably not very <laughs> healthy, like physically. And it's like, you know they're sacrificing so much to put on a great show and whereas you know you could spend like 40 50 bucks to go sit down at a concert and like listen to someone play and that's you know that's nice but um this type of really intense live shows can leave a mark way more than just yeah. like a great album or something so yeah that's really at that page yeah yeah definitely. so what like on the same I guess line of inspiration what was like the first like piece of mu music that you all owned or like purchased well when i was uh, in grade school i guess somebody had left behind uh late registration the kanye west album nice. and i'm not sure on the date i guess it was probably around 2005 um but someone had left it behind at our school's daycare. And then the daycare worker was like, oh, is this yours? And I was like, no, but they just gave it to me anyways. Like <laughs> insisted I take it. And I think that was probably like my first full length introduction to hip hop. And that album is just so good. And there's so many insane records on there and just like interesting vocal samples and it just kind of made me fall in love with hip-hop and rap music and I just kind of still listen to that album to this day and get goosebumps. That's probably like the first CD that I owned that I felt like was mine and not my parents, you know. But it's, yeah. yeah. Mm. I don't remember going out and buying anything, but I remember I had a friend who burned me a bunch of CDs and I don't even know if he labeled them. He just like left them on my front porch and they were just blank CDs. 
and uh, one of them was a Switchfoot album. And I know that, like, you know, people, have, it's kind of corny to say that. But I honestly, I love them. And um, that was like the first music I had was like, oh, yeah, my mom's not going to listen to this. You know, like they have distortion on their guitars. And um, it's kind of the first step into getting into anything remotely heavy. Um, but yeah, plus, I mean, burnt CDs, I have a really soft spot for like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. just people loading you down with all the things yeah. that they bought for free. And, yeah. you know, that's great. Mine was maybe uh, by The Offspring. Nice. Yeah, and that was in my little boombox in my room for a long time. I loved that album. We were listening to The Offspring yeah. again in the van. We're like, it's still pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. still really good. It aged pretty well. Yeah. Honestly, I'm like. Yeah, but I remember having that feeling of like, because we, I think we would go to Sam Goody sometimes, you know, get the like $20 CDs or whatever. And like just be coming back to my room and like having my little space to listen to music, like that was mine. That was so special. Yeah. <laughs> I bought the little singles back in the nineties. That yeah. was the my thing. Bu buying singles, so yeah. I would have dance music, Spice Girls, <laughs> Snoop Dogg, Nirvana uh and like a weird mix of different genres and i love that and i was that was like i will always buy these single cds because they were cheap and then i will see my grandparents and my grandma will be like oh i can buy you a cd and i will go and buy the cd or whatever artist i would like at that yeah. time but yeah like dance music rap music and rock music that was my yeah <laughs> and i loved it that's so good so eclectic. <laughs> Love it so much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that reminds me of, um, I was like, people don't know what Sam Goody is, <laughs> like younger people. <laughs> and um, I was talking about it with, with one of my like younger coworkers and they were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> kind of ages me, that just there. Yeah. <laughs> and the moment you said it, I was like, mm, I don't know know what it is but from context i can understand what it is you know? yeah <laughs> it was just the star i yeah. mean i'm sure they had other stuff but... <laughs> and i just remember like you'd get the cds in the plastic binding that you'd have to like they'd have to take it off yeah. and it'd be 20 dollars each and it's like why <laughs> <laughs> or like yeah i hated like the little the tape that they had on the top Oh, yeah. you have to like peel off. That was like the worst thing ever. Like, better be fun strip, and then you couldn't get the rest. Oh my god! Oh, I had a method where I would I would undo like the side ones, and so I take the CD off off of its hinges and pull it out like that, and then you could just straight wow. pull it off. You know this now. Well, no, now, but at the time I was like, I got it figured out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, oh well, I don't buy CDs anymore, but uh, no. thanks for the tip. <laughs> yeah, it also reminds me of like, I, um, we're like, we were having a conversation about, about Britney Spears. And I was saying how I saw, the first time I saw like her, her baby one more time music video was inside of a circuit city. 
<laughs> we're like, what are you talking about? Yes. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> Just was, places. <laughs> we kind of like span and age range, you know, and I was talking about how I used to come home every day from school. We used to like run home to be able to watch TRL. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Baby One More Time was like number one for a while. <laughs> I think even Free, I told them Free Kind of Leash by Corn was oh, like yeah. top. TRL video for a while. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. wow. I remember that. I just remember like, um, I mean, yeah, definitely like running home to see like TRL and like, um, was it say what karaoke? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you remember that. like used to like the music video blocks that they do for like different bands? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Fuse. What was Fuse? It was like another music. It was like another music channel, but like they used to do like music video blocks and stuff. Warped Wednesdays. They would do yeah. yeah. Steven's entitled block joke and like, yeah, they have a bunch of really interesting things. It was like more like the alt yeah. music channel, I feel like. Cause there was like MTV VH1 and then you had like the other VH1 and then <laughs> and then Fuse. <laughs> Random memories from the past. But yeah, I also remember like TRL had like um the Backstreet Boys uh was always number one <laughs> was always number one for like months. Rightfully yeah. so. <laughs> Actually that was my first concert ever was Backstreet Boys. Wow. What year was that? Well, I must have been nine or ten, so it would have been like ninety-eight. Yeah, something like that. And they were great. It was amazing. Seriously, like I loved it. But I was freaked out because I wasn't like a screaming, I was like a tomboy sort of and uh I was surrounded by screaming girls. Like it was so loud that um, it was. It was honestly like that was freaking me out more than the like you know seeing the show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was still a great show. Are you, are you gonna see them in Vegas? So do they have like a residency there? Is that what's happening? I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I got to go. They're serving out the rest of their life sentence. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my first concert was the Spice Girls, so I feel like I feel like that's uh, that's something to to brag about for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a that, fun that's a good one. Oh yeah, because yeah. I, I forget you were, you went to the same show, Raven. I know like, the same show, different dates. Yeah, four different dates. Yeah. Back in Spice Girls. Ninety eight. That was, yeah, was ninety eight. And then I saw I saw it in sync in like ninety nine. Oh. Like like, oh, where were we? Oh, I was gonna ask you some questions about snow blooms. There we go. Um so so what was like the, the writing and recording process for the album like? Yeah, well, I mean, basically last year we were, or in 2020, we were on a seven week tour to support the record we just put out, which is called The Haunt. And that got cut off like five weeks in. It was like March 12th was our last show, you know? And uh, uh, we kind of, once we realized that COVID was going to be around for a while, we were like, 
all right, let's just start writing for a new album and plan to record like way earlier than we had been planning. And uh, yeah, I mean, it basically was written in like isolation of like, I mean, Mitchell and I were sending each other a lot of, uh, Mitchell was sending me like a lot of instrumental, fully instrumental ideas. And sometimes I was taking those and uh, writing on top of them. And then we did a couple like writing sessions as a band where we would like get a little cabin for three or four days together and set up all our stuff where we could just be loud all day at night. Um, so yeah, basically like wrote all the songs in the like five months, five first months of COVID or something, six first months. And yeah, we recorded in this studio in Rockaway Beach, New York in uh, September of last year, September, October. Because the normal place we were going to record was like closed for COVID. So we found another spot and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much like one thing before we would kind of like take a little bit of time off touring to be like, okay, these are a few months to write and record and we try to get it done like pretty quickly. And then this time I felt like um, just kind of like having all this space to just be sitting in my apartment alone and like there's nothing else to do outside of like whatever work I had to do uh to just like sit with these songs and write them all day and although it was kind of painful and infuriating at times I do feel like it was kind of helpful to like be forced into that isolation in a way yeah and it definitely gave me something to do because I was like <laughs> I had I was like all right cool like first time writing with church girls I want to make a bunch of great demos and I just wasn't sure really what I was trying to go for but I had so much spare time and uh, I was staying at my mom's house at the time and so I was like well I'm just gonna sit and write demos I think I sent you like 30 demos or something no, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Crazy. You know, there was a lot of ideas and I was like whatever like I'm just gonna keep you know half of these are trash I'm just gonna keep sending them um <laughs> they weren't trash but it was it was good to to have all that time and and just be like hey we can try things if it doesn't work who cares like we just we have all the options we need so yeah and another kind of painful thing I do is uh I like schedule recording time before we're done writing um so it kind of gives me this forced deadline to finish things because at least I find I'm like a little bit of a slow writer. It's kind of painful for me, but like knowing that we have this deadline where we have to get stuff done is very helpful, like motivator for me. Um, so yeah, it's a little stressful, but it's also useful, I think. Do you think like, was there, um... Was there like a like an overall concept for for the record, or was it just like kind of being in isolation and and like digging into these certain thoughts that you had and, and writing it down? Yeah, I mean, I think the isolation definitely contributed to some of like the lyrical themes, um, but I mean, something I do when I'm working on lyrics is all like. I start writing down all these memories that I have from the last year or something. And then I, uh, whatever seems kind of interesting to me, I'll start kind of stream consciousness writing about that. And then I see if some kind of like theme or meeting comes out of that. Um, but yeah, I think like 
there were definitely times when things felt very, uh, like kind of, you know, obviously lonely and that kind of thing. But then also there's a lot of just like weird turmoil that was happening, obviously, like last summer um, that I think was contributing to just like this anxious sort of doom feeling. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of the things that were happening at the time were like contributing to the emotions that came out on the record, which were like sort of battling uh, depression in a way. <laughs> yeah, it was a heavy time. Yeah. I think a lot of people face that, you know, being at home and not being able to connect in person with people and, you know, not have the outlets they're used to having to either take out the aggression or, you know, just get things out people were really left to kind of face whatever it was that they were dealing with, you know, on their own. So a lot of people kind of went through that. Yeah. And I felt like there were so many things happening that felt like we couldn't do anything about, yeah. you know, like whatever, I'm not going to get political about it, but a lot of things like that. And uh, having that feeling of just kind of being stuck inside with, bad things happening outside. It was, yeah, strange. I'm sure everyone was feeling similar, similarly. Yeah. And it also didn't help. There was not really any end in sight in terms of COVID. Yeah. It was, you know, every day you'd see a news report. It's like, hey, things will, you know, maybe we'll be back to normal by 2025, you know? Yeah. It's like, come on, like, that's uh, not an yeah. end date. So, yeah, that's definitely kind of like loss of control in a way. Yeah. Definitely. You're like, I have no, no control over any of this. And like, this is my life. And I just want to like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure like, go play music. You're like, you know, play this album for people and see how they like it. And just, oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, there are way worse things, you know, I don't want to, whatever. It's, <laughs> it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to overstate it, but. Yeah, it was tough. It was an adjustment. <laughs> exactly. Um, so do do each of you have like a favorite track off of the record? Yeah, I think we do. I mean, I've got several. Favorite one to hear and favorite one to play, which is two different things, I realize. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've all been talking about how it's kind of been changing over time and then playing them live has made them feel a little different. But I think that mine has become Vision, which is the last track. What about you guys? I, I think mine is Basement, honestly. I love listening to that song and playing that song is so great. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I think that one might be my favorite to listen to, but playing i really like playing dissolve and undone those are two that just kind of feel and you know normally in our set we'll play them right in a row and in, in the middle of the set and it kind of is like a a big like a heavier portion of the set that i like playing yeah i agree i think both to listen to and to play dissolver and undone are my favorites just they feel dancey and heavy and yeah i really enjoy those two Right on. Yeah, the 
I mean, yeah, I've gotten a chance to listen to the album a few times. There, I feel like there's so many albums that are coming out this year, and it's like hard to keep up with like everything that's happening. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 solid. I'm like really really enjoying it. Nice. So right on, be all or anywhere close to us. <laughs> Definitely want to see you. You know, play. That'd be rad. So, any uh, so what do you? What do you hope people like take away from your your music and as well as like your live performances? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we were talking a little bit about how the themes are, there's definitely some darkness in it, but I would say that ultimately it's kind of about trying to find some like hope or meaning within some the dark feelings we've all faced, even outside of whatever was happening last year. It's like, you know, I certainly battle like feeling depression and some nihilism sometimes. Um, but I would say I'm always trying to like seek some good in it. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, the songs kind of like tackle some darkness, but it's like about maybe not being afraid to face some of those things and seeing that like you can still pull out of it or that kind of a thing. And yeah, with a live show, I don't, I don't really know. I think we, we just try to bring, we try to be present, I would say, and uh, go for it. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, the live show is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be an escape from like, I don't know, a crappy job or whatever you got going on. It's like, you know, you want to go out on a Friday and have a good time. And, um, you know, we're not... <laughs> like a party band or anything that's like, how's everyone feeling? You know, we're not really that kind of thing, but um, hopefully it can be some sort of escape emotionally or physically. It's just, you know, listening to loud music and dancing along is always a fun time. And so we hope that our set can be fun. Yeah, like cathartic or something. Yeah. And can people uh, relate to the lyrics, obviously, because everyone's got their own battles. And if they can be like, oh, yeah, I really like that song because it definitely spoke to me. And seeing it live make me feel good. I don't know. It's just, yeah, just like if people can enjoy themselves while listening to our music, even though we're talking about you know, depression and other, like, not sensitive, but sad topics. I like the idea of, uh, you know, being on the show and just like enjoying the song and why not crying while singing mm -hmm. the, the parts, you know, because I, that happened to me a lot of time when I go to a show and I love feeling that, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, I'm crying, but it's, it's fine. I'm feeling things and, you know, it's, it's just nice. Yeah, I think uh, for me when I'm playing, it's like nothing else matters. It's just, I'm on stage and I'm in the music and I can't think of, like, I'm not thinking about anything but oh, yeah. that moment. And I think if the people at our shows like can see that and be a part of that and yeah. feel like, okay, everything outside of this room is just, it doesn't exist. We're all here in this moment. I think that if someone can get that, that's probably like the best thing you can take from the show. And music is the best, I feel, to feel the present time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, to just feel, like, there's nothing else, like you said, it's just right now, that song, and that's it. 
Yeah, I think that's why people miss live music so much is because it's like kind of hard to replicate that experience. Yeah. Um, I would say it's something like sort of either below or above consciousness, you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, presence or something. It's like, uh, how do you say that? Like, uh, I don't know. It's like you go. No, but like it's, we're just vibing. So it's just like you know when you go see a psychiatrist. So it's like to me, music it's my like way of dealing with shit. You know. Yeah. So everyone needs that. So everyone in one room like feel like oh we all went to a psychiatrist, but no, that was a bad. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? I just I just feel like it's it, it's helpful for your mental health. Yeah. Listening oh, yeah. music, going to see bands. Yeah. Hundred percent. All right. Well, Raven, did you have anything else to ask? Do you want to plug your social media and where people can find you? For sure. We're pretty much at Church Girls PHL on everything: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, we got a week left of tour, and we have a website. It's like church-girls.com. You can get all the dates there. And uh, we have a lot more tours coming up in December and January. And we're going to uh, Europe in the UK in the spring. Um, so yeah, we got a lot of, we're trying to play as much as possible. So I'm sure we'll be coming to, you know, most places in the next year or so, so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here with us. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having us.